Welcome to the Evident Church Podcast. It's our hope that through this message you'll gain a greater understanding of God's relationship with you and further your life's journey in faith. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, family and friends. It is great to be in the presence of God, isn't it? Don't you love those songs? He's going to fight for us. The battle is His. Well, I have the privilege of serving today. My name is Kevin Evans. As you can tell, I am not Pastor Josh. I am what he hopes. <laughs> Appreciate the love. There, that is the series, Love Rules, right? And isn't it, uh, don't you like how just the, uh, the emphasis can make a difference? We're talking about love rules, right? The commandments. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Um, but depending on how you, you say love rules will depend on how you retain it. So we're talking about love rules, which means the commandments. Pastor Josh talked with us about when you put God first, everything else falls into place. And he talked about how rules, the love, is just like freedom. The rules are just like freedom, right? So you can say love rules, right? Or love rules, but I prefer to say love rules, right? It's the same thing, isn't it? Because when love rules, love rules actually are the rules that help you love. Okay, it was all free. When you follow God's rules, you have freedom and peace. We talked about how the budget gives you freedom to enjoy spending in in a way without worrying about it. And rules are the same way that God gives us. They are good rules for us. When you trust God, He cares for you. You heard the songs? It's all, all through the scripture. When you follow His commandments, He fights for you. He's on your side. And Pastor talked to us last week about we show love uh, to God by making Him the most important, not just an important. I'm going to share that theme. I'm going to carry that theme a little bit about what is important uh, and how how we focus and what separates us sometimes from God and how they they can become idols. But the easiest way to measure that is by looking at how we use our time, treasures, and talent, isn't it? Jesus said it pretty simply. This is love for God to keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. So let's remember that as we talk today. I am going to be sharing some things that, that might, um, by the time we're done, might give you pause to think. Uh, I'm going to share some of my personal experience, because when we talk about idolatry, which is what we're going to be talking about, I've had some experience in that. We're going to discuss idolatry and addiction, actually, uh, as as they work together and look to see what God says about idolatry and then what needs to be our response when we spot idolatry or addiction in our lives. We start with Exodus 24 through 6. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above, or on earth, or beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of their parents to the third and fourth generations for those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. That's pretty amazing to think that your actions today impacts your ancestors or, or, or your uh, your children and your children's children. So we're impacted by our ancestors, by what they did. 
But I love how God shows his love. Look, you hate me, only three or four generations are going to, but you are going to affect three or four generations. But if you love me, I will show love to thousands, more than we can count. That's a great balance right there. But before we even get there, can we talk about is idol worship even relevant today? I mean, let's think about it. Who goes around building stuff and worshiping it, right? Uh, let's start with a definition. The worship of idols is idolatry. Also, extreme admiration, love, or reverence for something or someone. Now, for centuries and centuries and centuries, a millennia, we have had idols of various sorts. Why? Anybody have an idea? Yes. Because idols, idols are things you spend most time with. That's great. Yeah. That's true. Our sin nature does fight God. And when we don't agree with Him, we build something up for us that takes the place of Him, isn't it? That's a great point. We're always looking for something, aren't we? We're always looking for something. And if God, we're not patient, are we? We're not a patient people. So you're absolutely right. We're not patient with his, with his solution. We disagree with his direction. We seek and escape from circumstance, right? So we create an idol to do that. How about this? To control the God. Now we think, wow, that's silly. Why would we ever create anything? Right? Anybody feel like falling and bowing, bowing down right now? Anybody? Anybody? Let's get ready to worship! Mm. Right? Now, why would it even make sense? Because we like to be in control, don't we? I mean, think about this. You get all of the metal, gold, that you have in your household, your friend's household, you get together, and you melt it down and you fashion it whatever it is, a cow or a tree or a whatever it is, and you go, okay, now we can make rules about how our God answers us. If we give him this, he's going to give us this. Isn't that being kind of like a fifth grader on the playground? They can make up the rules as they go, right? Hide and go seek. But this time, only people that were born in January can hide for real. Everybody else has to hide in the open and run, right? Okay, let's go. Ready? And we're going to count to 700. <laughs> isn't that kind of like what happened here? Kind of ludicrous, isn't it, when you think about it? And we're evolved. Oh, my goodness. Aren't we evolved? We would never do something like this, would we? Would we? Hmm. The truth of it is, idols were created to take the place of a sovereign God. They were there. We knew the sovereign God. Actually, those that knew the sovereign God just didn't want away from him and supplanted him intentionally. But the devil has morphed over the years. He's a little more subtle now. See, idolatry in and of itself is a perversion of something natural. We have natural appropriate desires to provide for our family through finances, to make sure we have the right power and influence, to make sure good things happen. We want to have some fun once in a while. That's not a bad thing, right? We want to have some attention from people and inclusion because that's part of, part of what happens. I mean, we're part of a church. That's, that's a good thing. 
But do you know that the church can also become an idol if you put it in front of the one who, whom the church belongs? We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But outside of appropriate set boundaries, natural desires get subverted and become addictions and idolatry. Let's talk about the simple ones first. First symbol is uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, so it's alcoholism, drugs, and pornography. Those are the ones that are the big three that are just crushing people today. Now, I'm not going to get into the debate on whether that is an illness or an addiction because the solution is the same. Can I have an amen on that? It is the sovereign God intervening in their lives. So as we go through, we recognize that when you have an addiction, it becomes an idol in your life where it's more important. It takes more time. All right, so, yeah, sorry, I got distracted. But I'm back with you now. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, so we recognize that, that alcohol in and of itself is not evil. It's when it becomes outside of God's purpose, outside of God's sovereignty. When you step outside and say, I'm going to trust it more than I'm going to trust God for what I need. The same thing with alcohol and the same thing with pornography and pleasure. It's when you step outside of what God made to be naturally something pretty amazing and it gets perverted. Those are pretty straightforward, aren't they? But how about these? Interesting, isn't it? We are followers of God. We're followers of Christ. But what do we do on Twitter? When you want to stalk somebody, is that what they call them nowadays? I know they used to be kind of creepy, but my, my daughter told me it's not. It's still creepy. It is. But you, what do you do? Follow. follow. Right. You follow them. You follow them. Interesting language, isn't it? Same thing with Facebook. I don't know. PlayStation's the one right now. I know definitely Bachelors of the Devil. I just know that. <laughs> No, no doubt about that, right? You take a look at some of the TV programs, and you take a look at what's happening, that we look, we idolize them. I mean, at my work, people are talking about who's, doing, who's, who's, going, to be, you know, who's going to send somebody off, whatever it is. And, and if you take a look at almost every one of the reality shows, it's based on, all right, it's, it's based directly on the deceiver wins. Think about that for a minute. If we're spending time with a program where the deceiver is the one that wins, what does that say? We don't do this anymore. We don't do this anymore, do we? But it is a deception nonetheless, isn't it? All right. Let's continue on. Now, having a team is fine, but if you're spending more time with them because you just got to know what the statistics are, right? right? And I got to tell you, Lions fans have more faith than anybody else. It's always next year. <laughs> <laughs> got to believe that. They're still there, all right? But 
outside, it can become an idol. You can idolize the team. You can idolize the people on the team. You can idolize the coaches, right? All right? But we're not done, are we? Yeah, I was voted off the island when I put up NRA. <laughs> okay. it, it is a desire to defend yourself, and, it, and it's actually our right. But when that becomes, when we want to be right more than do right, we supplant God in our lives with something different, isn't it? And no matter what your, uh, your political affiliation, we should be talking more about who God is in our life than about this. Why is it? that we can talk more about politics than our Lord because our Lord's a private thing. I say poppycock. Even hogwash, actually right in church, I'm going to say that because the reality of it is we should be sharing our life and our love with everybody around us. And what a deception that says, don't talk about your God. What are we talking about? Well, what we're talking about is anything that is put in the place of or is relied more upon, or takes the place of love and trust in God. That's your idol. So, again, idolatry starts with natural desires. But in the devil's iteration, it's no longer obvious we're going to build it like this. We just want more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And it supplants the place of our sovereign God. We don't create it like we used to because we're an evolved species, aren't we? We would never do something this silly. We would never. But do you know that when you hit, when you see somebody that liked you on Facebook, that it releases endorphins just like a drug? Did you know that? That the whole point of the likes is to get you to want to go back there and see if somebody else likes you. I have 28 people on my Facebook page. <laughs> it's all family. It's all family. None of them like me, so I'm good. <laughs> all right. So let me talk about um, a couple of more that aren't on here. Uh, my brother uh, is, uh, uh, has been sober for many, many years. I don't know exactly how many. But when he had been sober for about seven or eight, I was talking to him and said, man, addiction, that's, that's horrible. And he, he said, it took me three times to get through until I finally realized that God had to be in control, that God was sovereign. And he also said something that um, it surprised me. He said, he said, there's also forms of socially acceptable addiction. And uh, I said, yeah, I, I don't understand what you're saying. He goes, you're, you're addicted, Kevin. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you're addicted to work. And I let out an expletive that I've never used before or since and telling him what to do with himself. I've never done that before. But as soon as it happened, it touched a nerve. I went, I mean, I love my brother, but I told him something that just, I was, I'm, I'm embarrassed. But it pointed out the fact I was addicted to work. A pastor talked last week about love languages, and mine is affirmation. It means a lot to me when, when I hear people say, it made a difference. Right? And work, I'm above average at, right? the job that I do. I, I have the privilege of, of, uh, of working with a lot of amazing people, much like this church here, uh, in service here. And 
So I worked, and I, I, I was able to accomplish things, and I, the endorphin rush of doing that. And when he told me that I was addicted to it, and that my wife needed me, I was angry. I was offended. And I was addicted. <laughs> Many years ago, I was addicted to TV. Now, it wasn't nearly as big back then because it was only three channels. But, <laughs> but we were married a, a year or so, and uh, I, I mean, I would wait till the, the Indian uh, cried and the test pattern came on, for those of you that know what I'm talking about. Um, they always did the, you know what I'm talking about, don't you, Ty? But I would still sit there for a half an hour watching the test pattern, beep, just in case something came back on. I was addicted. I was addicted. And my bride was, was loving enough to go, you know what? This isn't good. And um, we got rid of it. We didn't have a TV for seven years, which is God's number, so I'm fine with it now. <laughs> we do have a TV now, but I was addicted, and I'm not now. All right? How about this? Right? We said, oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen it happening so much. I just have. You know, we're addicted to making ourselves an idol, right? That false trinity, me, myself, and I. All right? So you want to get more likes, and you want to make yourself look good, and you want to appreciate people to appreciate you, right? So you put yourself in, you know, right? So much so that people are faking it, you know, and things. It just, it is a self-idolatry. Now, remember I said that if, it, if, I, if you feel immediately offended by this, you need to check yourself because we haven't talked about one that I need to talk about right now. Dr. Edwin Cole said, money in a man's pocket is the closest thing to God as will ever be because with that, you have the ability with just your imagination to get almost anything if you have enough money. We believe that if we have enough money, if we get enough money, we can be in control. But that's simply not the truth. Do you know how you know that God has your money? Through the tithe. Remember, don't worry, they just shut the door for sound. They weren't keep keeping you in for this message. <laughs> All right. If God has your, your money, it means you tithe joyfully. It means you understand that, um, that that is what you need to do. Let me tell you a story about Rosie and me. We were married about a year and a half, and we were in debt. We were losing $300 a month just by breathing, $10 a day just throwing out. That's not food or gas. That's just the debt from school loans and, um, and credit cards. And the debt, you know, the creditors were calling. Rosie was just, it was just so hard on her. And I felt like an absolute failure. I was doing all that I thought I knew to do, right? And just hung out from another one. She's crying, and I go and I take a walk and I say, God, I need help. And he said, Are you doing all you know what to do? And he said, You aren't. Because I said, I'm, I'm, I'm calling everybody, I'm telling them I'm going to pay them, I'm paying them a little bit each, what I can do. And he says, No, are you doing all you know what to do? And it reminds me, he reminded me of Malachi 3, 10, and 11. Bring the whole tithe into the, tor- into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not pour, open the uh, floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you won't have room to contain it. 
And like any good man of faith, I said, God, you're going to have to tell Rosie. Because <laughs> there's just no way I can do this. We're only making $250 a week, and I can't take another $100 out a month when we are losing $300. And I went home, and I told her what God said, and she immediately said yes. And in one year, our income doubled, and in two years, we were debt-free because of the miracle of God, not because his promise is true. But my money wasn't his until I demonstrated that it was. So if you are offended by this, I'm sorry that you're offended by it, but I'm not sorry about the word of God that says this is what you need to do. Old and New Testament, it says, even in the New Testament, it says, don't neglect the former, right? It talks about love and tithing. Don't neglect it. Let's do it, all right? This church, there's nothing we can't do if everybody understands that their money belongs to God. Men, I talked to you specifically. Be a leader in this. So we've talked about a lot of different, uh, a lot of different areas, haven't we? Not all of them are really comfortable. And I, like, like most, understand that there's really only one solution, and it's going to God. So if you, if you want to read Deuteronomy at length, you can, but I summarized it here just for the, for the standpoint of today, uh, time frame. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. This should be pressed on your heart, impressed on your children, talked about when you lie down and wake up. Have them prominently displayed in your homes. Don't follow the world's gods. Do what is right and good. See, we, again... We have a number of these that are made for us and we can follow after them. But we can also allow our activities to not be in faith and then we want just a little bit more and a little bit more, a little bit more. And all of a sudden, we fall away because we've gone after that show or that sport or that pleasure, right? Instead of going, no, you and you alone. Your rules are good, God. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That simplifies it, doesn't it? Now, lest you think that it's only an Old Testament uh, saying because there are some that go, well, the New Testament uh, is more important than the Old Testament. Some people say that. I say set that idol down too. But, um, <laughs> but what I want to say is the whole Scripture is God-breathed. And in the New Testament, it talks about it in several places. John, uh, 1 John 5.21, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Acts 17.16, Paul is in distress over the idols and led him to speak to the leaders about getting rid of them. 1 Corinthians 8, 4, and 1 Corinthians 10, 7, and 14. My beloved, this is what we do, flee from idols. It doesn't cut back on idols. It doesn't minimize it. If you have an idol in your life, if you have an idol in your life, get rid of it. I had a pretty amazing pastor many years ago, almost as amazing as Pastor Josh. Um, But he owned a Harley, and everybody knew that he loved a Harley. He was proud of that Harley. And one day he drove it up on stage. And he got off, and everybody was like, oh, that's just Pastor Paul being wild again. He goes, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that I've put this in front of my family and in front of, uh, in front of God 
and I'm auctioning it off right now, and all the money will go to the schools today. Who's going to take the first bid? You got rid of it that day. And the thing was worth, I think the hog was worth like 18000 He got 25000 for it that day just because somebody wanted to do that. And he never bought a, a bike since that time that I was aware of. He fled from that, didn't he? He was like, oh, I can handle this. It's like, oh, I'm done with this. I'm done with it because whatever it is. So in your area, we need to flee from our idols. Okay? Seven years I was without watching sports. I'll work on that one. I'll work on that one, okay? All right, I will. All right. But so why flee from them? Well, because God will fight for you. God will fight for you. If you're proud and say, I can handle this. This is mine. I got this. Right? Right? Instead of, instead of using this appropriately on a grill with some garlic, onion, butter, and Right? Right? If you use it inappropriately, God can't help you. But if God, if you let God, He will fight for you and you will prosper. I'm not talking about just finances. And I'm not talking about, you know, I, people think you prosper means money. There's so many different ways you prosper. Right? In your heart, with your family, with your health. All right? With influence, appropriate influence. There's so many ways that you can make a difference when you're inside of God's, uh, when you're inside of God's blessing, when you don't pick up your own idols and put them between you and God. Another reason why we should just do it because He said so. Can I have an amen on that? He's our sovereign God, and why are we trying to do mental gymnastics to try and justify why? Oh, in this case, we're good, God. All right, I'll, I'll handle this. All right. Why would we do that when our sovereign God says, flee? Because we want to be in control. We have to put that down and put him back in his rightful place. We have the bank account. So, in summary, idols were made originally to replace God but as we became wise to the devil's schemes, he changed his tactics. And now it subtly supplants God by us taking a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. In almost every case, when you have an idol in your life, you must flee from it. You must flee from it. Do what you need to do. Because God loves you, and he wants the best for your whole life, not just most of it, and leave you a few spots to, to, to try and trip around in. He wants your whole life to be light and salt. Every action, every activity. And do it because he is God, worthy of being put first in everything. Not in most things, but being first in everything. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we are so grateful for your love in our lives and for the rules that you put in place to show your love and to keep us safe. And we confess that from time to time we put things in between us and you. Forgive us, Father. We know that you only want what's good for us. 
we have seen it in our lives as we've drawn closer to you. We see that you are a faithful God and a loving God. And yet still, we get impatient. Or we think we know better. And God, we don't do that on purpose. Most times, we just end up there because we choose to look away from you and towards something else. Now, God, I ask, as the words that you shared through me today are heard and are received, I pray that your Holy Spirit just wraps his arms around every person here and whispers the love that you have for them and the way that they can draw closer to you today. We love you and we want to be yours more every day. Help us today to be the children that you deserve as best as we can to follow you in your love rules. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says, Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you found this message personally meaningful. For more information on Evident Church, be sure to visit us online at evidentchurch.com.